Welcome back to the Encounter Radio Show with Bill Reeser. So grateful that you join us. It's Testimony Week here on the Encounter Radio Show. I'm sharing my personal testimony. And by the way, you have a personal testimony. I'm going to be sharing a lot of other people's testimonies in the upcoming weeks and months. I'm going to be having them come into the studio with me. And I want to hear from you. Uh, if, if my testimony has encouraged you, uh, just email me at bill at thehopeencounter.org uh, or just go to thehopeencounter.org if you'd like to support our ministry. That We need a lot of help, especially during the holiday season. Thank you for your support and your prayers so much. Uh, prayers are so powerful. We need all the prayers that we can get. But yesterday I was sharing about getting married in Clay County. Looked like a remake of my cousin Vinny. And we decided to get married, and it was it was just a funny scene. My family still talks about it. Uh, my crazy family is just always, uh, uh, there's always a testimony. I always come back with new preaching material uh, whenever, uh, whenever I come back from New York. But let me say this about when I got married to Carolyn. I thought I was in love, but I had no concept of what love was. And if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, you'll have no concept of love as well. Because God is love. And I believe this. And I know this to be true. I know that it is impossible to love another person the way God intended us to love other people until we first receive the love that God has for us that can only come through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus when I married Carolyn, when I fell in love with Carolyn. And that really wasn't love. It was a counterfeit love because uh, I had no capacity to love. I had no capacity to forgive. I had, and the Bible says those that have been forgiven much, they love much. I didn't even know what forgiveness was. Therefore, I didn't have any capacity to love. I just thought I'd give it my best shot. I remember being on the 700 Club on CBN and having our testimony shared on television and they sort of have a narrator, and they said, Bill, Bill's best shot wasn't good enough. And it wasn't. I mean, the reality was it just wasn't good enough. I mean, I just thought I'd be a good husband, be a good father one day. And, uh, but I do know this. I married someone who truly loved me. And I married someone who really wanted to be with me. And one of the reasons why I know this is even before we got married, uh, while Carolyn brought me to see her family before I got married, I decided to introduce my family to Carolyn uh, by bringing her up to New York City for an Easter dinner celebration. Now, we, as a family, while we didn't really know what Easter meant, that it was Resurrection Day, I, you know, I am forgiven day, death, where is your sting day? It's the greatest holiday in the world to celebrate, you, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that whoever shall believe in him shall have eternal life because of what he did on the cross, how he defeated the grave, how he defeated Satan, how he defeated sin, so that we can live forever and ever. My family was just a big gathering where people, you know, got drunk and we just celebrated the family getting together. We put on our best outfits and ate a bunch of chocolate and had Easter baskets and because we didn't know what Easter was. But it was a good time for the family to get together. And I thought that'd be a great opportunity for them to meet Carolyn, the girl that I was dating in college. So we, I bring her up to New York City and my, my stepdad at the time, my mom later remarried. Uh, when I got to college, she married one of the premier Italian chefs in New York City. So he would cook like a six, seven course meal of this uh, this amazing food. And the whole family, uncles and aunts would be there. They'd be like 30 or so people there. 
And so the whole cast is there. My cra crazy uncle was there. My uncle Dominic who always drank too much. My grandfather was alive. He drank a lot of wine and put peaches in the wine. I mean, it was just a crazy festive scene. And my late younger sister, just a year younger than me, had a date at that time. She thought it'd be wise to bring a guy named Louis. Louis an FROA, future racketeer of America, uh, to the Easter dinner. And there, and Louis like a mob guy. He's packing. He's got a gun. He thinks he's a mob guy, but he's not. He's like we like we like to call him a wannabe. He, you know, he, he's he's like you know this a typical Italian guy. And um, so my uncle Dominic doesn't like Louis. And the more my Uncle Dominic starts drinking, the more he starts talking to Louie. And he starts saying nasty things to Louie. And this is going on through the entire dinner. Nobody's paying mind to it. Finally, the guy Louie has had enough. He stands up. He says, let's take this thing outside. And a fight breaks out. They go at it. And all of a sudden, mayhem everywhere. And this is not uncommon. This happens at almost every family dinner uh, with my family in New York City, with my crazy Italian family. Uh, and so mayhem breaks out and as soon as the fight breaks out uh my mother comes flying out of the kitchen with this butcher knife as not a regular butcher we're talking like a butcher knife from a butcher shop because again my dad was a head chef at a at a restaurant he got a he got a big butcher knife because sometimes they you know they chop their own you know meat and stuff like that and uh, it was just this massive thing she comes wailing this thing flying it wailing it through the air making the sign of the cross and i don't know what this thing meant where she comes flying with this butcher knife she goes i make the sign of the cross you're not gonna ruin my dinner i curse you i curse you and i make the sign of the cross i had no idea what that mantra was all as i knew is that the moment that my mother came out flailing that knife louis fighting with my uncle dominic and me proceeding to break it up carolyn is so afraid she hides underneath the table and I look at her very calmly because this is not new to me because this happens almost at every dinner. And I look at Carol and I said, honey, stay there. This will be over in five minutes. And sure enough, cops come. They break it up. It's over in five minutes. And she comes out. And as soon as they brought out all the cannolis and the cookies and the coffee, it was like nothing ever happened. Like nothing. You would think that the that I mean, there's a term in New York. They call it holy cannolis. That I mean, these were holy cannolis. When you start, you bring the cannolis out with the dessert and the coffee. It was like everybody loves each other. I didn't know what that was, but my wife was like, "I've never seen anything like this in my entire life." She came back. She still dated me. She still wanted to be with me, and so that's a typical holiday. That's a typical scene. For not from an Italian restaurant, from a, from any Italian dinner that you'll have with my family. But like I said, when we got married, I had no concept of love, what love was. And let me talk to you a little seriously about my relationship. I didn't, I was so devastated from not being able to play basketball that when we got married and we decided to live in New York, all during that time period, for almost three years, I never touched the basketball. I went right to work, started working for a food corporation, and I never wanted to play the game of basketball ever again. And so I, for three years, my body started to heal up. And then one day, I'm just walking by some basketball courts, and some guys asked me to play a game with them, and I, I did reluctantly but I did something told me don't do it but I did it anyway and two weeks later I'm I'm playing in all the pro tournaments in New York City and I'm starting to make a comeback and um 
and I'm starting to play really, really, really good. Now, let me give you some more background information. My family was never a priority to me. Carolyn gave birth 35 years ago to our one and only daughter, Kristen, on April Fool's Day. And you would think that having a daughter would change your priorities. You would think that having a family would change your priorities. But not only was I prideful, narcissistic, never wanted to be told what to do, uh, doing still drugs, still drinking a lot. Uh, I, I was so selfish. You know, if I could think of one, one thing that wrecks marriages today, it's selfishness. It's people never wanting to submit, never wanting to submit to Jesus Christ, never wanting to submit to one another, that the Bible says as, as each submit to God, submit to one another. I just, no way was I ever going to submit to anyone, ever. I just never, I didn't want anything to do with God, didn't want anything, didn't want anybody telling me what, what to do. I wanted to be the man. And fact of the matter is, I was selfish and my family was not a priority to me. Now, I, 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 th- I thought I loved them as much as I could, but I think I love, I, I, can, I can say this with confidence, I love myself more because I was into myself more, and I didn't have the capacity to even love myself in a way that was healthy. It was unhealthy love for myself, because I just wanted to take care of my habits. I just wanted to take care of my hobbies, and I did anything to satisfy that. And so I started playing basketball again, and that created a big problem, because that kept me away from my family. And I and I was just consumed with playing basketball. And, I, and, I, and again, I started playing at a high level. Matter of fact, I started getting professional... Uh, offers to play professional basketball in European countries, but they weren't offering guaranteed contracts. Therefore, I wouldn't take it. And I knew that I was close to getting a tryout for an NBA team. Uh, But I got to tell you something. Uh, While all this is going on, uh, there is something different about Carolyn and something special about Carolyn uh, that I want to interject in my testimony. And that's the fact that Carolyn always had an ear for the Holy Spirit. Always had always had something about that God would prompt her to pray about something. And she wasn't even walking with the Lord again. Uh, but she would later rekindle that relationship in New York City. But even before that happened, I remember one game I'm playing in the Bronx, a really tough neighborhood where... There were a lot of murders that year, sort of what we're seeing today in all the big cities. Uh, I remember playing in a game, and I saw a guy before the game and got into an altercation with the guy because that guy got into an altercation with a friend of mine. And I hit the guy a couple of times, got him off my friend, didn't think anything of it. But at the end of the game, that guy followed my friend down. And when my friend opened the, the car, the door to his car, he shot him five times with a twenty-two, a point-blank range. And when I went to my car, he sent, a, he sent his whole crew, four guys, to follow me and shoot me down. And I knew I was going to get shot down. I knew something was going to go down. When you grow up in the streets of New York City, you always know when someone's behind you. So I got to my car door, put my hand on the doorknob, and, and uh, opened up that door. And I expected shots. But again, just like that hallway with those busted drug deals, uh, no shots were fired. And I just got in my car and rolled away and... Didn't know what happened to my friend Jimmy, and next day I found out he got shot. I knew what happened. I went to the police. I 
picked out the guy's face in some mug shots. They later arrested him, and he confessed to sending his crew down to following me, and he confessed to shooting my friend Jimmy, and he did some serious time in jail. But the reason I tell you that story was that night, when, that night of that basketball game when I came home, Carolyn came running to me, and she said this, I don't know what came over me tonight, but the moment you left, God told me to pray for your protection all night long, and I've been interceding for you, praying that God would protect you all night long. And I had no idea what had happened. You see, God was trying to get my attention. But friends, all that did was go in one ear and out the other because I didn't want anything to do with God. And while that was happening, and soon right after that, Carolyn... uh, starts following Jesus again. She finds a local church in New York City. I remember her going to see Billy Graham at Central Park, taking our daughter Kristen to it. And she finds a local church that she would take the bus down to Manhattan every Sunday and go to. And she's firing on all cylinders. And she has, and she is back in her relationship with Jesus Christ. She's praying and she's trusting God and the Holy Spirit is speaking to her. And while all this is going on, I'm, I'm into my own life. Uh, I'm trying to make a comeback. And one of my teammates just made the New York Knicks NBA team. And I know that I'm going to get a tryout. I'm the next guy on the list that's going to make the team. And I know I was going to make the team. And several weeks later, I suffered an injury that my doctors told me I could never play basketball ever again. Now, out of all the things that were done to me growing up, my dad leaving, getting sexually assaulted, always fighting for my life, Nothing hurt more than the realization of me not playing in the NBA and me coming to the realization that I lost my one and only dream because I didn't have any other plan. Now, tune in tomorrow to the Encounter Radio Show for the rest of the story.